11, you identified with me in baptism. Uh, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. So there's a principle there of, of discerning where someone is and if they're, if they're a good, what a prophetic voice he was. When I came up in fundamentalism, we had some nationwide and might I even say some global voices on the scene. Ian Paisley, uh, Dr. Seitler, uh, Dr. Bob Jones, uh, some, some of those guys, uh, Monroe Parker. Uh, we've lost all of those. They're all gone. We, as far as I know, we don't have even a national voice, someone who would be recognized from one side of the country to the other uh, as being a prophet for the hour. Now, we got some good preachers. Don't get me wrong, but we don't have a national voice, and perhaps it's of the Lord that we don't. Uh, we don't want to worship any man, and all men make mistakes, and all men fail at some point or the other. But John was a, a man, a prophet for the hour in which he uh, lived and he performed his duty. He was a man with but a brief duration for ministry, about six months, best we can tell. He was not in ministry very long at all. He was six months older than Jesus. And when you, you read what's going on here, uh, John tells Herod, but he was John the baptizer. He was a preacher who could not be swayed by popular opinion. It wasn't going to change him one lick. He was out in the wilderness. Whether people came or not, he was going to preach. His message was going to be the same whether people came or not. He wasn't going to be swayed by things. And he was, had the traditional garb of an uh, Israeli or a Jewish uh, prophet with his camel hair and a leather girdle and the type of food that he ate. He was a man who had no fear of other men, no matter how well-placed they might be. Look in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 3. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. Why? For John had said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he, Herod, feared the multitude because they counted him, John, as a prophet. And you know what happens. Salome comes in there and dances and John loses his head. But he was a man who had no fear of other men. We need preachers like that today. I think we've got some. I don't think the ship's going down wholesale. Matter of fact, I don't think the ship's going down at all. I think we're going up. Uh, but there's some good preachers, some, some men who still love God, who open the Bible every service and preach the Word. Don't, uh, don't get Elijah's disease and get aloneism. I'm the only one, Father. There's nobody else but me. And, you know, if something doesn't happen... You know, you just take me out and you can judge the whole crowd. And, and remember what the Lord said to him? I got 7,000. Haven't bowed the knee. So you just, just understand that you need to go and join up with those and, and serve God. Well, not only was John unafraid of men, but he was eclipsed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in John chapter number 3 for just a moment. 
John chapter number 3. Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Then look at verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. All of us need to have that in our heart and mind. Ministry is not about ministers. It's about Jesus. Worship is not about how you feel. Worship's about God, His person, who He is. Not one word of His, not one word in His Bible will ever drop to the ground unfulfilled. It's just not going to happen. So John said, He that cometh after me is that one named Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease. He said, I'm not worthy. I am not worthy. Back over Matthew chapter number 3. I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. Now, what does he mean by that? I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. What's the idea involved with that? Well, the idea is this, that that's what the, the lowest level servant did. Now, those uh, sandals were, you know, they had the leather thongs on them and uh, went back and forth, back and forth, tied them off on their, their feet. And they didn't have paved roads, although they, the Roman roads weren't too bad, but uh, the village roads were just dusty. And so it was a servant uh, responsibility to remove the sandals and, and wash the feet of those who, uh, uh, to whom they owed that service. And so John said in verse 11, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. What did Jesus say about John? He said, him that uh, born among women or of women, there's none greater, none greater. But he that's least in the, the kingdom is greater than John. Of course, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's not a New Testament figure. He's an Old Testament law figure. And uh, when I read to you over there, uh, what he said about uh, I got to decrease and I'm the, I'm the friend of the groom. I'm not in the bridegroom. The bride belongs to the New Testament. And so he's, he's not a part of that. But what a man John was. But he said, I'm not worthy to carry his shoes, but he. I like it when folks point me to Jesus, don't you? He said, I'm not worthy to carry his shoes, verse 11. But he's going to do this. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. First of all, I want to give you three very simple things about Jesus, and we'll be done tonight. Number one, he's mightier than John. Do you remember what they said about John? He did no miracles. Jesus did many miracles. He turned water into good grape juice, not alcoholic wine. It wasn't Mad Dog 2020. At the, the wedding. For you to, to believe that to be alcoholic wine, then what you have to believe to fit everything together is that they had been drinking to the place they could no longer really taste how good their drink was. 
And so when, when they got this, because it's the greatest that men have ever had, they said, oh, you've saved the best for last. This is not the, the norm. And so you would have to have Jesus giving alcoholic wine to people who are already pretty well inebriated. And that violates several places in Scripture. Woe to him that putteth the bottle to his neighbor's lips. Uh, Proverbs 23, you're not to look at it when it moves in the cup, when it gives its color. In other words, when it's fermented, we're not to be looking at it. And remember what the, the, Jesus taught about, you don't take an old skin and put new wine in it because if you do, it's going to burst that old skin. Why? Because a process of fermentation would take place. So I don't believe that Jesus turned water into alcoholic wine. I think he turned it into the best grape juice folks had ever had. And when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, I will not henceforth drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it fresh with you in the kingdom, so or drink it new with you in the kingdom. But Jesus is mightier than John. John never raised anybody from the dead. Jesus did. And so John said, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. But I think John wanted to carry his shoes. I think John had a heart for the Messiah. They were cousins. Um, I'm not sure exactly what level cousins, second cousins maybe, uh, but they were kin. Perhaps they had played together as children at somewhere along the line. We don't really know. But here's a man who's humble enough. Here's a man who had a mighty movement going when he's preaching, and many are coming to him. But he was willing to say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He must increase and I have to decrease. What a man John was. Secondly, the baptism that Jesus was to, to baptize us with in verse number 11, and there's as many different interpretations of this as there are books on it. We understand being baptized with the Holy Ghost. At the, when a person trusts Christ, they are baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. You receive the, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit at that moment. You're as saved as you'll ever be at that moment. Doesn't mean we can't grow. Remember we talked about the difference between who I am, my position in Christ, and my responsibility to gain ground, to be sanctified. I'm complete 100% in Christ, the moment of salvation. Can't get any more saved. But I can be more like Christ in my daily growth. Now, so the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we understand. We don't have so much trouble with that. Those who believe, the Spirit of God ministers to. But now this fire. Some tried to say that it was uh, holy fire. But quite frankly, I think, according to what we see in verse number 12, that it's talking about hell fire. He falls back under, in, in line with that discernment or distinction that John made, the good fruit, the bad fruit. And so those who get right with God are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Those who do not get right with God are baptized with fire. Hell is a place that burns forever, even though it itself is thrown into the lake of fire. It's still a place that burns forever and forever and forever. And those who go there stay there. There's no escape from that place. I understand how harsh that sounds. I do. 
I've got kinfolk I wish to get saved, so I understand the cutting edge of, of, of that. But I owe it to you and to them to be honest and truthful. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You know, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We have to be honest about those truths, not because we're trying to be harsh or mean, but without truth, you don't know you're lost. Never find your way home, that's for sure. So his baptism is with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Look in verse 12. His fan is in his hand, and of course, it's talking about a winnowing fan. They would throw the grain up in there and use those, those winnowing fans to, and then the sheets. And so the, the chaff would be blown off and the grain would be gathered together. But it says he'll, he'll gather the wheat, the grain, into his garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And the Bible talks about where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Well, that's that place called hell. Luke chapter 16, the rich man died and was buried, being in torments, he lifted up his eyes and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and he had not lost his arrogancy. Remember what he said? Send Lazarus, the beggar, send him to give me water. That rich man hadn't lost an ounce of his arrogance, not an ounce. So the baptism is with the Holy Ghost and with, I believe, hellfire. Thirdly, he is going to do a winnowing work among men. You can talk about God and hardly anybody will get upset. But when you start talking about Jesus, you're drawing a line. Uh, when you say that Jesus is God in flesh, then you've automatically cut yourself off from the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, some of these other cultic groups uh, that claim to be Christian. And so the wheat goes into the garner, but the chaff goes into the fire. And God's doing a winnowing work. And that winnowing work is through the preaching of the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God. God's answer for the problems in, in the day of John, in the days of John the Baptist, was preaching. Jesus was known for what? Preaching. Did he eat with publicans and harlots? He sure did. But he was doing that to influence them for Christ, influence them for God. He wasn't doing that and saying, well, the way you're living is okay. He was saying there's a better way. But Jesus is known for preaching the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, then you got... Over in uh, Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, those sermons. In John chapter number 6, that tremendous sermon, he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And when so many people went away, he said, will you also go away? And Peter, good old Peter, he could sometimes say some good stuff. He said, where are we going to go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. My soul, there's going to be a winnowing work. We're seeing it. I think we're seeing it. COVID kind of shook the tree a little bit. Found out some folks were just hanging on and instead of really being apart. And I grieve over that. And we've had some folks who, who would love to come back, but health has prohibited them, and I understand that. But we've had some folks who just decided, I did okay without it. That period of time, I think I'll just do without it from now on. 
And every Christian needs a good Bible-believing church. Every Christian needs a good Bible-believing pastor. We all, and I need you. We, we need the, the fellowship one another. Iron sharpeneth iron. We need that. This winnowing work that's going on is separating the, the real from the false. And you see so much of it now. This craziness, when I was talking about entertainment philosophy, you don't have to drive 500 miles to find it. It's in Memphis, in some churches. John Steele told me about a service he went to at a church in Memphis, very well known. Smoke machines, laser lights, whole nine yards. I don't like eating in a place that's dimly lit. I want to make sure what I'm eating is clean. I'm sure not going to go someplace where the church is dimly lit and is more like a nightclub as far as atmosphere goes. And I understand they get to singing and they enjoy themselves. But you can work yourself up into a frenzy. And it doesn't mean that God's in it. I've been around some camp meeting services where I wasn't too sure God was in all the activity that was going on. People work themselves up. We want to make sure that, that we fall in with the garner. We want to fall in with the wheat as, as the winnowing goes. We want to make sure that, that make our election and calling sure, as Peter says. And let's do that according to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the scriptures, thank you for its truths. Thank you for a man named John who was humble enough to say he must increase and I must decrease. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.